scene that day was an execution. Public enemy number one was caught and he was about to die. And the nation breathed a sigh of relief as this menace was going to be brought to justice. But just for kicks, they decided to throw this big national feast. And everybody was going to have a good time and they were going to bring this convict out in the middle of the crowd. And they were going to make fun of him before they put him to death. So this very first Mr. Universe, this Arnold Schwarzenegger-looking guy, was led out into the courtyard, and he was led to the main pillars right in the middle of the courtyard. And he raised his voice to pray, and he says, God, just this once, remember me. Just this once, remember me. And I think that could be a phrase that the theme of Samson's life. Just this once. And we're going to look at Samson today and we're going to talk about how everything he went through, it all started with just this once. Just this once, I'll try this. Just this once, I'll try that. That's his his life's theme. And when you look at Samson and you think about what might have been, you know, the, the, the draft is next weekend for the NFL. And one of the worst things that can ever be said about someone is that he had potential, but he never reached his potential. That's Samson. Samson had potential, but he never came close to reaching it. What might have been if he hadn't been leveled by lust? Judges 13.3 says this, The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you've been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now, you've got to understand, God had a great plan for Samson. He had this agenda for his life. And God has a great plan for every person in this room. Every person that, that, that hears my voice, God has a plan. He has an agenda for you. And... The problem is, not everyone here is living for God's agenda. People make choices all the time that don't reflect God's agenda, and it costs us. Many folks have been leveled by impurity. And we've been going through this whole series, and we said that, that sex is designed for marriage, much like this, uh, this fire pot is designed to, hot, to, to handle fire. You, uh, you put fire in there, it's great in there. You let fire out onto the carpet, it's a bad deal. It can burn the house down. And we say that God designed sex for marriage. It's safe inside marriage. It brings people closer together. It brings intimacy inside marriage. You take sex outside of marriage and it, and it causes shame and it causes isolation from people and from God. And last week we talked about the blue light of lust. How, what, for whatever reason, bugs are just attracted to that light. And they keep flying in there and getting zapped, you know. And nobody gets wise and says, hey man, every time you hear a zap noise, they never come back. And just as, as natural as it is for a bug to fly and get zapped by the blue light of lust, it is just as natural for human beings to be leveled by lust. And I don't think anybody starts out in their life and says, you know, I want to be chained up to lust. I want to destroy my marriage. I want to destroy my life by lust. Nobody says that. It kind of just happens as naturally as slipping off an icy log would happen. Um, We wake up one day, we're far from God, we're far from our families, and we wonder, how in the world did we get there? How did I get to this point where I can't feel God? Well, I can tell you what probably happened in most cases. Probably 99% of the cases, I can tell you what happened. You mixed. You mixed your standards with God's standards. And that's a recipe for disaster. We have this, um, we have this software on our, on our computer for our kids. And it's called Reader Rabbit. Anybody familiar with Reader Rabbit? Great software. 
There's this one game that every one of our kids has, has played at some point or another, and it's where Rita Rabbit is on the screen, and you get to dress Rita Rabbit. You can, you know, there's like five or six different hats, and there's different shirts, and there's pants, and there's shoes, and you know, there's different things that that Rita Rabbit can carry. And my kids love that. And some of the choices they made were the silliest looking things. They say, "Daddy, look at this. This is funny." And I say, "Yeah, you're silly." But my kids loved it because they were in control. The problem is in our lives, we want to be in control. We don't want God telling us what to do. We don't want anybody else telling us what to do. We want control. And some of our choices look just as silly as my children's clothing choices for Reader Rabbit, especially when it comes to lust. When it comes to the standard for living, most of us have been mixing and matching our whole lives. We take a little bit of our standards, maybe our family standards, maybe our friends' standards, maybe the, the, the culture standards, our, our country standards, and we mix those with God's standards, and we get this watered-down kind of religion thing that doesn't make us happy, and it sure doesn't attract anybody else around us because they see we're miserable. Why would they want to do the religion thing that we're doing? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's been that way for thousands of years. What you have to know today is that if you mix, mixture can destroy a people. It's documented. comes from Scripture. When the Israelites left um, Egypt, they were about to go into the Promised Land, and God gave them some very specific orders. He said, do not mix with those people in the Promised Land. He said, you are to destroy every evil thing. That meant to wipe out um, the race, the, 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 the people that were there. And He said... And, and ground, grind their uh, idols into powder. Now, let me say this real quickly. That had nothing to do with the color of their skin. Racists have been misusing Old Testament verses for years, trying to, uh, trying to justify their immoral attitude towards people of different skin color. What this had to do with was the condition of the heart. God says, these are a godless people. They have a hard heart towards me. And if you mix with them... Not because of race. If you mix with them because of their belief system, then it will water down your belief system. They will be a trap and ensnare you and you will destroy your people. That's exactly what happened. Read the Old Testament. They were always mixing. Mixing destroys people. And it eventually led to the the Jewish nation not having a nation anymore. They were overtaken by the Babylonians. They were overtaken by several different um, groups. And then eventually God says when they were in captivity, He said, but if you will return, this is the good news. God always has good news. If you will return to me, then I will restore your nation to you. All right. So let's, let's think about what's happening here. Judges 13, 25. The Spirit of the Lord began to work in Samson while he was in the city of Mahanadan between the cities of Zorah and Eshtol. Now, Samson was from the tribe of Dan. Dan, you've got to understand this. And the whole nation of Israel has just moved into the promised land, but they've not taken over the promised land yet because they had to drive out the people that were there. And so they weren't finished with driving out the people that were there at the, uh, in the promised land before them. So as a kid, Samson started traveling around to the encampments of his tribe, the tribe of Dan. And the Bible says that it, when he was at one of these uh, encampments, Mahana Dan, the, the encampment of Dan, that the spirit of the Lord began to work in him and began to make him strong. And God had created Samson with this uh, unique blend of personality, of genetics, of heritage. And the reason God created Samson was to prepare him to make a difference in this world. And God has done the same with you. You may not like your parents, and we will not take a show of hands to see how many of you like your parents. But God didn't mess up when He gave you to your parents. God didn't mess up if you have children. God didn't make a mistake and go, oops, I gave 
Caleb to Doug. I didn't mean to give Caleb the... No, God's not taken off uh, guard by, like that. God puts us here for a purpose. But the problem is temptation. Temptation is designed to get you off of God's purpose onto Satan's purpose, onto the world's purpose. You can look it up. Every time Samson was tempted, he, was, he, he got his eyes off of God's purpose for his life. His purpose, he was created to be a judge of Israel. Hence the name of the book, Judges. You read the book of Judges, they would be doing horrible things. It says in the book of Judges, every man did what was right in his own eyes, and so God let them suffer the consequences, and they'd be taken over by a nation, and then God would raise up a judge. This judge would deliver them. They'd do it again. I mean, the horrible phrase, everyone did what was right in his own eyes, kind of sounds like the United States of America. Anyway... But God would let them be taken over, and then when they would turn their hearts back to Him, God would raise up a judge. That was the purpose for Samson's life. But every time he got his eyes on lust, it uh, got him off purpose. And, and you think about it, throughout Scripture, this is what temptation was designed to do. With Adam and Eve, we talked about last week, Satan wanted to get them off purpose. Even with Jesus, the temptation was designed to keep Jesus from being sinless. Now, Jesus was the Son of God, and He was sinless, but Satan wanted to wreck that plan. He didn't want Jesus to, to die in, in, in your place and mine for your sins and for mine. What he wanted was to cause Jesus to sin. Then he'd disqualify him as a Savior. But Jesus was able to look at God's purpose. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays and he says, Oh God, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Not my will, but yours be done. He was looking at his purpose. He didn't like the purpose at that moment. He didn't... He didn't like having the sins of the world on his back. He didn't like having to go to the cross. But he kept his eyes focused on that purpose, and that allowed him to be sinless. So every time temptation comes into your life, it is designed by Satan to get you off of God's purpose for your life. Um, and if you think about this phrase, just this once, this was Samson's phrase. Watch this video, because on this video, these guys will tell you, it was just one look, just one look, and I was hooked. You know, you, you never think it will happen to you. Then before you know it, you're hooked. I remember how it all started. I was just 13. Came home from school and I was all alone. I was looking for my brother's game strategy book. And there it was, under his bed. The hardest thing about it is it consumes your thoughts. You can't stop thinking about it. I saw the magazine and I opened it up and I couldn't believe what I saw. It is everywhere these days. On TV. On the internet. That was just the beginning. Now, now I'm an addict. I'm Andrew Kirkwood. My name is Stephen Bobbitt. And I'm addicted to scrapbooking. And I'm addicted to Gotcha. 
If you're a male and you're addicted to scrapbooking, please don't tell us because we will use your story. We will use it against you. Um, Next week, we're going to have another sermon in our series and we're going to be interviewing um, Jason and Danae Selman. And Jason has has given me permission to be real up front. And and you want to talk about real, we're going to talk about pornography and what it can do. Um, He's going to be very honest with us because we've talked before about things that you keep in the dark, Satan has power over you, but when you bring them into the light, uh, God, God frees you from that power. And so we're going to talk about some real stuff, real marriages, real trouble in marriages, but then we're going to talk about how God delivered their marriage from something that was mediocre and actually was about to die. Their marriage was, was ready to break up. And, and now they, they love each other more than they ever have. They're on fire for God and life change. That's what, that's what our church was founded for, was for life change. And so uh, be here next week. We're, we're gonna have, it's going to be funny, but it's also going to be real because anytime you get Danae up here and you give her a microphone, it's going to be fun. Um, yeah. yeah. If you've been around Danae, man, she just isn't afraid to talk. But, but we're going to talk about real stuff next week, and, and we hope that you'll be here. All right, back to Samson. How was Samson leveled by lust? How, how did he get zapped by that blue light of lust. There's three things that you need to know about lust today. These are on your listening guide. And the first one is, lust always looks for leverage. Lust always looks for leverage in your life. Ephesians 4.27 says, Do not give the devil a foothold. Satan is a serious climber. I don't know if you've ever done the rock climbing wall. The YMCA here built this big new rock climbing wall. It's supposed to be open this summer. I did one on the back of a cruise ship one time. It was kind of fun. Um, I've never done the, the real thing out, you know, in the, in the real world because I don't have somebody with that little safety harness, you know, holding me up. So Satan looks for a toehold in your life. And what he wants to do is he wants to climb all over you because a toehold for Satan becomes this stranglehold. It becomes a stronghold where he can then get around your neck and he can strangle you and he can destroy you. That's what he wants to do. And uh, Samson had all this potential in the world and... And he didn't reach that potential. Look at uh, Judges 14.1. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. Now, I want you to notice that it says he went down to Timnah. We're going to talk about that. Timnah was a Philistine city. And uh, good Jews didn't hang out with the Philistines. Philistines were a godless people. Why even go there? In Exodus 24 and in Deuteronomy 37, God specifically said, do not hang with these people. Don't date them. Don't marry them. Don't do business with them. Again, this is not a racial issue. It is a heart condition issue. These people did not know God. They will be a snare to you. Now, Samson's parents were devout Jews. They knew Exodus 37 and, I mean, Exodus 24 and Deuteronomy 37. Samson knew the verses. His mom knew the verses. His dad knew the verses. And uh, why even bother to go there? What was, what was Samson doing in Timnah? Well, I believe it was his lust problem that took him there. What is lust? If you've just joined us today, we, we define it as this. It's a God-given desire gone haywire. It's when an attraction transitions into an illicit action, either mentally, emotionally, or physically. Samson went down to Timnah. He went down literally. If you look on a map, he went down geographically to Timnah, but he also went down spiritually. Satan is always looking for leverage where he can take you down. I don't know if you've watched wrestling or if you've watched UFC or any of those types of things. Those guys, if you're in the octagon, how many of y'all watch UFC so you even know what I'm talking about? There's a few of you. 
My wife hates it because they just beat the snot out of each other. Caleb will come walking through and he goes, oh, that's where they kill each other. And he'll just keep walking, you know. <laughs> because they do. I can't really watch it because they do beat the snot out of each other. But what? it's mixed martial arts is what it is. So you got some boxing going on, but you've got wrestling. If the dude can get you down on the mat, he will beat you into submission most of the time. He's looking for leverage. And that's what Satan is doing. He's looking for leverage to take you down. And you got to understand that that um, when Samson went down to Timnah, he saw a Philistine woman. Now, this is not just an ordinary woman. you got to understand that the Philistines were much different than the Jewish people. So you see a Philistine woman, it, you would notice the difference between a Jewish woman and a Philistine woman. It would be like the typical American woman. Jeff said he went to a Baylor baseball game yesterday, and he said it was unbelievable what these Barbie doll Baylor girls looked like. They, they were all blonde, and he said they were all in tube tops, and he was like, oh, my soul, you know, I don't need to be seeing this stuff, especially if you're going to go tell the pastor about it. Um, <laughs> you got to be careful because it'll become... He just told me this morning, you know, we can work these things in um, if they're funny. So he was telling me all this. You think about the typical American woman on a college campus and you compare her to a typical Muslim woman. Quite the difference, isn't there? That's the difference in a good Jew in this time and a Philistine woman. The Philistines were all into worshiping fertility gods and they came up with this idea that if you know they would have sex during their temple worship, that it would cause them to grow better crops. Now, I think some dude was just smoking or drinking something one day. And he said, you know, we could increase church attendance if we kind of had some temple prostitutes. Now, we'll try a lot of things, but we ain't going there. We'll talk about lust, but we're not going to have temple prostitutes. So just mark that one off your list. I had somebody tell me one time, too, if we wanted to get their friends here, you know, set some kegs of beer at the back. I'm like, we'll go a long way, but we are not going to have kegs of beer at at our church. Now, you got to understand, so... If you wanted to see skin, if you were a he-man with a she-weakness like Samson, where would you go? Timnah. you go down to Timnah. Jewish women, they're all covered up. Got to use your imagination. You don't have to use your imagination in Timnah. So he goes down to Timnah, and he sees this woman. And uh, when you go to the wrong places, you'll meet the wrong people. And you will spend your life pursuing the wrong purpose. Some of the time? Hello? All the time. The Bible tells us this in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't fool yourselves. Bad friends will do what? Destroy you. How many times have people gotten in trouble? How many times have I gotten in trouble? And it was the crowd I was hanging with. The two times I was arrested in high school, that wasn't real smart. It was because I was hanging with the wrong crowd. I was hanging with the good Baptist kids. I actually heard a teenager say that when he goes to school, it is easier to be a Christian around his non-Christian friends than it is around the Baptist kids that he hangs out with from his youth group. He said, because the Baptist kids are saying, just loosen up, mix some. God, you're so uptight. And he said, my non-Christian friends, they know what I believe. And they say, that's cool. We respect you for it. But sometimes the church people... And see, that's the difference in religion and relationship. If religion is just a bunch of rules, loosen up. But if it's a relationship with Jesus Christ and I see that He died for me, that's different. Because the Bible tells us that our bodies are not our own. We've been bought with a price. 
Therefore, glorify God in your body. So, so you've got to be real careful about hanging out with the wrong people at the wrong times. All right, now, Judges 14.2. When he got back home, see, this is the beginning of the end for Samson. Samson sees this woman. He goes back home. Here it is. He told his parents, I saw a Philistine woman in Timnah, and I want to marry her. Get her for me. The biblical bodybuilder goes down to Timnah, sees a woman, then tells his parents, go get her. Excuse me? Who's in charge here? Evidently, it's Samson. <laughs> now, to his parents' credit, they say, couldn't you take a good Jewish girl? I mean, God says don't mix with him. Can't, please. And I see Samson, this biblical bodybuilder, stomping his foot. No, I want her. So, the parents say, okay. So they go with him down to Timnah, to this ungodly place. And they arrange for this marriage. Now, let's just push the pause button for just a second. Let me ask you parents something. Are you taking your kids to Timna? The shows that you watch, the language in your home, the relationships you have, the integrity that you have. Are you taking your kids to Timna? Because what the Bible says is you are either taking them towards the Lord or you're taking them towards Timna. Which is it? We've got to make up our minds. You see, we've got to understand our kids. It is our business what our kids are doing. We've got to know who they know, where they go, and what they show. Like that? Who they know, where they go, what they show. My girls are not going to be known as Philistine women. They're going to be good Jewish women. We might even put them in a burqa. When they get old enough, you know? Because there's some, there's some validity to covering up the body. Got to use the imagination. That's what I want to tell them all the time. Make a boy use his imagination. Don't, don't remove all doubt. So, we're going to be real careful. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. You've got to know who they know, where they go, and what they show. Samson's parents blew it. They allowed lust to slither into the family which means they gave Satan direct access. And when you allow stuff into your home, you are letting Satan come in and attack your children. Now, nobody would go and sign a contract, come on in, Satan! But that's what we're doing with the stuff that we watch and the things that we listen to and the places that we go. Um, what happened? Well, Samson goes down there and he hooks up with this girl and they're supposed to get married. Well, lots of junk happens. And um, you've got to understand why this was such a big deal. As a child, Samson was devoted to God and he took the Nazarite vow. Now, the Nazarite vow had three main purposes to it. Three things. He could never touch anything dead. He could never partake of grape products. No grape jelly, no grape juice, no wine, any of those types of things. And he could never allow a razor to touch his head. Not a problem with me. I can't grow it if I wanted to. But he could never get a haircut. That's basically what it meant. And so these were outward symbols of an inward heart commitment. That's all a Nazarite vow was. Outward symbols of an inward heart commitment. I am dedicated to God from this point forward, from the time of his birth. So one time, Samson is walking along the road. And this is actually during his engagement to this girl from Timnah. And a lion jumps out in front of him. Well, Samson, it says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he rips the lion apart. Literally, rips him, rips him apart and throws him beside the road. This is the first instance of roadkill in the Bible. Just throws him beside the road. Leaves him there. 
Several days later, we don't know how long it was, he comes up and he notices that bees have made a little uh, comb inside the carcass of the lion. And so those of you who've watched Winnie the Pooh, you know that wherever there are bees, there's what? Honey! I love Pooh Bear. I still love Pooh Bear. My kids are getting too old, so if you've got little ones that want to watch Pooh, send them to my house. We'll watch it. Um, but there's honey. And so Samson is hungry. He looks around. Nobody's with him. And he probably thought, just this once, I'll touch a dead body. No big deal. I know it's a dead lion, but I'm hungry. So he reaches in and he gets some honey and doggone, it's good. And it kind of revitalizes him. It's so good that he scoops up some and takes it home and gives it to his mom and dad. But the Bible says Samson did not tell them where the honey came from. Why didn't he tell them? Because he knew it was wrong. He touched a dead body. And he knew his parents would be upset with him. Second thing about lust is lust always lies to you. First thing, it always looks for leverage leverage because it wants to take you down. Second thing is lust always lies to you. Samson probably thought, just this once I'll go to Timnah and I'll flirt with this ungodly girl. Just this once I'll touch a dead lion. No big deal. Well, it's the lie of the enemy. Just this once I'll go to this website. I'll just look just once. Just this once I'll go to this gentleman's club. You ever had that conversation with your kids? Driving through Arlington, going right to Six Flags. I mean, you pass all of them. Daddy, what's baby dolls? Or they'll see it now that they can read. That's a gentleman's club. I've had this talk about time out. We go by time out. Daddy, what's time out? Well, now we don't judge the people that are in there. In fact, we take cookies every year to the to the dancers at uh, at time out. Do y'all know that? Every year for Christmas, Danielle and Alex head that up, and they take just to just to share the love of Christ with them. So we're not judging the people, but what we're saying is, don't go there. We can love the people, but we don't need to associate with that. I. I'm not strong enough to do that. You may be, I'm not strong enough to do that. Samson thought, just this once, and that's what we think is just this once. Just this once, I'll go to this movie. Just this once, I'll have this one night stand. Just this once, I'll try this drug. But once is never enough, is it? We get hooked. Lust is too powerful to mess with. You aren't that strong. And it's pride that makes us think that we are. The Bible says pride goes before the fall. Well, lots of stuff happens, and Samson ends up not marrying this woman. But he doesn't quit messing with the Philistines. Judges 16.1 One day, while Samson was in Gaza, he saw a prostitute and went to her house to spend the night. Lust always comes back, doesn't it? He-man, she-weakness, prostitute. He's doing it again. Verse 4 Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in Sorek Valley. Now, you've heard of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Timnah and the Sorek Valley are basically the same thing. <laughs> as Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because they were godless. God could have done the same thing to Timnah and the Sorek Valley. So, he goes down and he finds this woman. What's her name? Delilah. You can't even say her name without saying lie. Lust lies to you. Delilah. The Philistines were well aware of Samson's she-weakness because the dude was always in one of their towns. Going to a prostitute or falling in love with one of their godless women. So they come to Delilah. And they say, here's $5,000. Find out the secret of his great strength and we'll take care of you and your family from now on. We'll give you more money. You will never have to worry about your life if you'll just tell us what's going on. So this girl was ungodly. She was conniving. She was manipulative. 
Doesn't that sound like a good uh, description for one of those internet dating services? I am conniving, I'm manipulative, and I am ungodly. Come see me. Now, Jeff told me how, you know, you have to decipher someone, because sometimes that might as well be what they say. Right, Jeff? I'll have to come to recovery sometime and listen to some of the stories. No, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should <laughs> Yeah. He's told us about his internet dating. It gets pretty funny at Celebrate Recovery. So, here's her, here's her strategy. Next time he comes to her house, she says, You can trust me. Tell me the secret of your great strength. So Samson starts messing with her. He starts telling her all these lies, and so she'll try it out, and she'll say, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he'd jump up, and he'd bust out of whatever trap she, she had uh, put him in. So he'd lie to her. And then verse 15, she says, How can you say you love me if you lie to me? And he keeps on lying to her. But then look at this. 16. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed to death. You know what the Hebrew word for vexed is? Nagged. I'm not making that up. You can look it up. It's nagged. She nagged him to death. To the point of death. I mean, the Bible tells us better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a contentious woman. It doesn't say it just once. It says like three times. She nagged him to death. Have you ever seen somebody? Oh, never mind. Won't go there. Don't want testimony. If you live... Never mind. Never mind. No. Um, she nagged him to the point of death and he was so weary that what does he do? He shared his heart with her. Told her everything. Now, back to the Nazarite vow. What did the Nazarite vow have to do with? It was outward symbols of what? Inward heart commitment. He shared his heart with the godless. And she had him. Well, she puts him to sleep on her lap, you know, messes with his long hair, twirling it. I don't know, scratching his scalp. I don't know what. But he falls asleep. And he gets a haircut in a satanic salon. And so then... Look what happens in verse 20. Then she shouted, Samson, the Philistines are coming. He woke up and thought, I'll get loose and go free as always. Look, this is what I have underlined here. Some of the saddest words in the Bible. He did not know that the Lord had left him. This leads us to the third thing about lust. You've got to know lust always leads to destruction. Lust always leads to destruction said for three weeks now that lust has a destination. And you know what the destination is? Your destruction. Satan wants to catch you like a trophy bass, mount you on the wall publicly to see ever, for everyone to see your fall from grace. And one day you wake up and you're far from God. You don't feel His presence. You're far from your family. You don't feel like worshiping God. And there's a lot of people in churches today, not just across our city, but all across this nation. They're sitting in churches and they, they don't even know when it was that God left them. They don't know when the Spirit of God departed from them because they've mixed. They took the he-man with the she-weakness and they messed him up. Look at verse 21. The Philistines captured him and put out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, chained him with bronze chains, and put him to work grinding at the mill in the prison. I want you to circle some words for me. Put out his eyes. Circle that phrase. They captured him, put out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, circle chained him, and circle the word grinding. Lust blinds, binds, and grinds. Always. It blinds, binds, and grinds. Lust is all about the eyes. This free spirit, Samson, did whatever he wanted. He was the baddest dude around. He once killed a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. He was bad. 
He was the UFC champion. Only, you know, you didn't get up when Samson messed with you. He killed you. He was the baddest dude. All of a sudden, this free spirit who did whatever he wanted is chained, grinding grain like a donkey. When I was a kid, I used to laugh because the King James Version, which is what we always used, you know what the word for the donkey is? Jackass. And I thought that was funny as a kid. When Satan got Samson, he made him look like a jackass. That's tragic. His life would have turned out much differently if he'd learned to say no. What if his parents had said no? Oh my, how different it would have been. Many of you are, are trapped in a prison. You could, you could stand up and tell us how lust blinds and binds and grinds. You, you could tell us that. But I have a message for you today. It's in verse 22. But his hair started growing back. We're not talking Rogaine here. What this means is his heart began to grow tender towards God again. He gave away his heart, but now he's humbled. He's at the bottom. He has no other place to go. And, he's, and the Bible says his hair began to grow back because that means he finally turns to God. And then when they lead him out, he's placed between the two pillars. And he says, God, just this once, remember me. The Bible tells us that God does. He knocks down this temple, kills more people in his death, more Philistines in his death than he did all of his life. God remembered him and he gave his strength. And I think probably today some of you need to pray. Probably all of us should pray. God, just this once, I want to mean business with you. I'm tired of doing it my way. Just this once, God, I pray and I want you to do something. I'm tired. I'm weary. And God will always answer that prayer. He always answers the prayer of the humble. I want you to take your registration cards, if you would. Fill them out real quick.